<laughs> We're going to delay that. I'm going to do this chapter, but only half of it this morning. Uh, I feel the Lord has given this to me for our church, and so uh, we're, we're going to work through the first seven verses here this morning, Lord willing. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not sure how this is going to end because there's such a need and it's such a call in this portion of Scripture, and I want to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I know we also have communion, so I'm just going to trust the Lord to pull it all together, Okay. Shall we stand as I read the first seven verses? Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine, milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. You may be seated. Ho is uh, an interesting word. It's literally uh, woe or awe. And it's used a lot of times at a funeral lament uh, in that sense. Uh, but apparently Isaiah is using it as a rhetorical effect simply to grab, as it were, the attention of the people. Uh, can be used on a happier note, as in this case, in, in the context here. Um, he, he, he is bringing something into purview that is out of the ordinary. Uh, sort of like if you've been paying attention to what happened a week ago at the Kentucky Derby for all you horse lovers. And it's Rich Strike coming down the inside, you know, that whole thing. That was, if you haven't seen that, by the way, you should watch the aerial view on that. That is uh, special. Very special. 80 to 1. God loves the underdog, doesn't he? <laughs> And this is a verse that is actually inviting the whole world, those who of us who live in the land of the living, to come and partake of something that's already been provided. It is an incomprehensible offer that no one has ever heard before. Think about that. Free provision for every need. 
And the person who hears that goes, what? What? Are you kidding? No. So what does it say? Everyone who thirsts. So it begs the question, are you thirsty? <laughs> are you thirsting for God? Many people are thirsting for God, but they don't really know that it's God that they're thirsting for. They know that there's a lack in their life. You know, when you look at our bodies, we are amazingly put together. And we know that dehydration, for example, is a real issue for the body. You and I need lots of water. You really can't drink, well, I guess you can, but most of the time, you really just can't drink enough water. You're sweating and perspirating all the time. We, we talk a lot. <laughs> lose moisture consistently. Uh, between 55 and 78% uh, of our body is made of water. Newborn babies are about 78%. A year old's about 65%. Adult men are 60%. Adult women, about 55%. I don't know how that works out, but... Your brain is made up of 73%. Some of you may need a little bit more in there. Maybe others less. Your bones are 31% water. Muscles, kidneys, 79%. 64% your skin. 83% makes up your lungs. So you can see that you need water. You don't want to be de dehydrated. It helps your, in your digestion. Uh, it helps your joints. It's the lubrication it makes saliva so you can eat. It balances your body chemicals. Delivers oxygen all over your body. It cushions your bones. Regulates your body temperature. It's a shock absorber in your brain, your spinal cord, and those with children. It's a little shock absorber for the guys floating around there. <laughs> you can't help but see the spiritual parallels, right? Not only does our bodies need water for hydration we need spiritually speaking the water of life that flows from the throne of god you see we need to come to the waters how many people need to come to the waters they're lacking so much and as the scriptures we've read here the lack of satisfaction. The Bible teaches that godliness with contentment is great gain. And yet, this is talking about a people, everyone, lacking satisfaction. A lack of security, worried about life. Many are confused. Many are fatigued, just flat out wore out. They're not living a good life. They're just existing. How many people are just hoping to get by from one day to the next? They're not living in an abundant life as is played here. And actually, in reality, this is sort of the Old Testament version of the abundant life that Jesus said that he came for. In John 10, 7 through 11, it says that, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but sh and the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and go out in, in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this is what's happening. This is why people lack. This is why there's no satisfaction. They, people are constantly being ripped off 
by the enemy and they don't even know who the thief is. And Jesus said, I have come. Let me say that again. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So there's hope for us. Ho, everyone who thirsts. Do you thirst? Are you thirsty? There's hope if you'll come to him. So there's choices that need to be made. There's faith that needs to be employed. If you're not experiencing the fullness, the richness of the life that you see that's being talked about here, there's hope. You can make choices. There can be adjustments made and you can begin to partake of what God has promised to us in his word. He's made this tremendous offer to everyone, not just the Jews, not just Israel, but to the Gentiles. Ho, everyone, that would be everyone, leaving no one out. And the first thing we're told to do in this context here, if we want to take advantage of this incredible offer, and this isn't some Kmart flashing blue light special here, folks. This is the real deal. This is eternal satisfaction. And that thing that we have to do is simply just come. It's something that everyone has the ability to do. It doesn't take any special ability. It is a choice of the will. Come. Come to the waters. Think about where these waters come from. Those of you who maybe just recently come to the Lord and you're just now getting familiar with the scriptures. And so you probably already went to the back of the book to see how it ends, right? You want to see how the story ends, right? Well, that's a good place to start because the last chapter, 22 verse 1, says that there's a river that flows from the throne of God. The living water that flows from the throne of God to meet the needs of all creation. That same river, or similar to it, is also in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 1. When Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom and he's ruling his the king out of Jerusalem. Out of the temple and under the threshold of the door that leads out of the temple flows a river. And wherever the river goes, guess what happens? Life. That's what it's all about. The water of life. It provides everything that we need. The power of the water to renew us, to strengthen us, to heal us. This is an offer you should not refuse, you know. There are offers that the gangsters made that you don't want to refuse, right? You don't want to refuse this offer. This is better than that. That's not even included in this, right? You don't have to have any money. What's that imply? No ability. That's what money is, just ability. It's ability to, to get something or have access to. No money. You can be helpless. Without money, you can buy. Doesn't make sense, does it? How does God's economy work in heaven? How does it, how's it going to work during the millennium? We, it, medium of exchange, we, wait. See, it's hard for us to get our minds around that. At least mine, I, I haven't quite figured it out. It's sort of like grace. Do we really understand grace? Well, we can spell it. We had an acronym. We make it, you know, use it as an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah, that, that's good. It's rich. It's true. It's unfavored, unmerited favor. But it's something that the natural man does not really grip. We really can't get our mind around grace. But that's how God relates to us in no other way. We cannot earn God's blessings. 
We can't keep the law and expect God to bless us. It's not our good deeds that causes God to bless us. It's, he blesses us because he's gracious. He's good. He's kind. And that's just who he is. He relates to us and will re- relate only to us on the basis of his grace. We can never earn it in any way. And notice that this provision must have been and has already been paid in full. Somebody paid the price. Someone, you know, put it on the table and presented it as have and have presented it to us. Think of a wedding. You're inviting to a wedding. You, what do you have to do when you come to the wedding feast? Just show up. <laughs> it's all there. The beauty and the glamour and the chairs and the, the decorations and the food. Yes, the food. Let's not forget the food. <laughs> you have been invited to an eternal banquet. The eternal banquet table of Yahweh. His inexhaustible resources are at hand. And yes, you heard correctly. Number two, the second time he says, come, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk. Wine, the best of everything is there at our disposal. Wow. Milk, things that really satisfy. You know, when you have your Chocolate chip cookies, what do you want, <laughs> right? There's just something about that milk and the cookie, right, together. <laughs> something about milk that's so satisfying. Babies do really well with it, actually, right? Riches without measure. Not only is God willing to give, he wants to share all of this with us. This is what he's offering to you. This is what he's offering to me. This isn't some, you know, phony deal, This is not the carrot being dangled in front of our eyes to lead us into something. Oh, this is the real deal. This is life. This is the abundant life what Jesus has offered to us. This is luxurious satisfaction, if you will. Yahweh is not stingy. But there's a quandary here from Yahweh. Why do you not come? Why do you spend your money from that which is not bread, the unimportant things? Why do you spend it on vanity and foolish things? Now, I like trucks as much as the next guy. I mean, you know, most guys like trucks. I, and I understand um, how guys like their trucks a lot. But I really struggle with understanding what big rims and big tires add to that truck really especially with the price of fuel these days right it to me it's just vanity it's just a foolish expense simply to make my truck a little more cool besides that it's kind of impractical as it destroys the family budget usually i mean these places have installments on rims and tires just the rims and tires not just the truck I mean I just failed to understand but I digress (laughs) money what does that really represent it's our time it's our strength so at what cost has it been to you in seeking some of those things that rather than bringing satisfaction have brought pain What are the things in your life that you thought would bring satisfaction that aren't? What are the things that you've put yourself into and really found out really that wasn't necessary? 
We all have made mistakes. We've all ventured into these things. We've all been captured by the deceitfulness of riches, have we not? It's an illusion. And as soon as you get it, it's like a vapor. It's gone. There's nothing to grasp. Good question to ask, though, isn't it? How do we spend our money? Why do we continue to live without satisfaction? Now, Isaiah had actually already addressed these people in regards to uh, along these lines of vanity because they were living vain lives. They were trying to live and they were merely just existing. But they were trying to live lives with, uh, apart from God's blessing, apart from God's involvement in a deep personal way. They mar- had marginalized. Well, that's what we do at the tabernacle. We just go there to offer our sacrifice and do that so God doesn't get mad at us. Isaiah 44, 12 through 15 Isaiah says, The blacksmith with his tongs works in the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with the strength of his arms. And even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. That is dehydration, by the way. Did you catch that? He drinks no water and is faint. He's not not drinking water. Drink your water. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks out it out with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with a compass. He makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that it may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself, takes cypress and the oak, and he secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine, and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it to warm himself. Yes, he kindles it, bakes bread, Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire, and with half of it he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god. Does it make any sense? His carved image, he falls down before it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, you are my god. Isaiah 44 on down in the context of verse 19 and 20. And no one considers his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I've burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I've also baked bread on its coals. I've roasted meat and eaten. And shall I make the rest of an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? And you see, this happens to you and to me. And God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will reap. This kind of living happens to us. We fall into idolatry. We worship the creation rather than the creator when we don't listen to him. We end up with empty religion. We go through the motions once a week or however, and think this is sufficient. And yet, God is just wanting us to live at his banquet table, day by day, moment by moment. But if we fail to listen, listen, we worship vanity. We give reverence and adoration to things that we put value on that will perish with the using. And the exhortation here, again, is in verse 2. Hear and come. Listen, simu, simo, give attention. 
listen carefully. Listen in such a way that you're going to respond in obedience. Listen to what is right. And the word hear in the Hebrew implies action. It is not just uh, hearing the words, but it, in hearing it means you get it and you're doing it. It's all in, in those two words, simu, simu, simo. In Samuel, he drove home this point to Saul. Now here's a guy appointed by God and actually had a change. Something happened inside his soul when he was called by God to be the king. But he had gone sideways and began to adore himself rather than the Lord, essentially. First Samuel fifteen twenty two and 23, Samuel says to him, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Has an obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the iniquity and idolatry. Listen carefully. He's telling us to eat what is good. Let your soul, as it says here, let your soul delight itself in abundance. I love the word let. That's simply just yield. That's all, that's all we have to do. It's, it's intellectually not hard to grasp what Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying. It only becomes complicated when we resist. More on that later. And John, I'll just simply summarize our abundant life as spoken by Jesus there in John 10. In those, you might take some time to read through the 18 verses. We won't for the sake of time here. But you enter in through the door, as we've read earlier there. We come through that brazen, as the Israelites would, that door. And the first thing you would see was that brazen altar, knowing that it was the sin in our lives that need to be dealt with. We must, as we enter the door and face Jesus, we must face our sin, confess and forsake our sin. He's holy, we're not. We have to deal with that. He's made provisions for that. Verse 3 talks about hearing his voice and following his lead. We're to be led by the shepherd and we're to follow the shepherd and learn his voice. We're to let him to bring us to the green pastures, the life, full, rich life, not based on materialism, but based upon the good that he is providing for us. He has come to provide us life on an abundant scale. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. These are the things that are eternal. All the other materialistic things are secondary in God's mind. And they will always be there when the, when the primary is being taken care of. So with that in mind, he tells them in verse 3 to incline your ear. Two, be favorable and willing to do. Bend your ear. You know, like when your mom and dad grabbed a hold of your ear when you were little and brought you around. <laughs> Listen, young man. <laughs> that might have never happened to you, but I have been a few times. <laughs> Come to me. Isn't that an incredible thought from God? An incredible invitation. Come to me. Think about that as a parent 
and you're raising the little fellows, and and you tell them to come. We, a lot of times you just want to squeeze them. You know, those little guys, they're just, they're precious, right? And what happens, sometimes they'll just stand there resisting. I think that's how we are sometimes. He's saying, come to me. And we're resisting. Don't resist. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Do not resist. You only complicate your life. You only make it harder. Let's think about the nature and character of God here. He's loving and he's kind. What do you think he's going to do to you when you come to him? You think he's going to crush you? He's going to hurt you? Perish those thoughts. He wants to love you and share his life with you in an abundant level. Here. No ADD here, okay? We don't get, no getting by with that. No attention at deficit. I heard, hear and listen and do. Respond. If you do, you're going to live. You're going to experience life on a grand scale. Look, I'm going to make, and in our case, he has made an everlasting covenant. Verse 3, the sure mercies of David. You know that word mercies. You know what that word is. One of my favorite ones, right? Hesed. Mercy. Tender mercies of God. David talks about this throughout the Psalms. He understood the heart of God, the tender mercies of God. So when he says, come to me, you're going to sense, you're going to experience the tender mercies of God. Do you remember that experience when you first turned to Jesus and you were born again and you knew for the first time in your life that your sins had been forgiven? You felt and you experienced hesed, the tender mercies of God, the loving kindness of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. When he says, come to me, let's not resist. Yahweh has promised us an eternal supply and it begins when you say, yes, Lord. Here I am, I come. He wants the covenant. And this covenant, this agreement that he's made with us is eternal. Obviously, there's messianic implications here. And if you want to look into this, it be 2 Samuel 7.12. And this is the Davidic covenant that he made with David. He chose David and his offspring in which he would establish a kingdom. And a kingdom that would endure forever. And that one coming from his loins, the Lord Jesus Christ would be the leader, a witness, leader, and commander of God's people. And this will be fulfilled during the millennial reign when Jesus reigns out of Jerusalem. Jesus is Yahweh's witness. He's our leader. He's our commander. He's the commander. He's the Lord, the commander of the Lord's army, isn't he? Joshua 5, 13. The nations are going to run to him during that millennial period. And so let's... Let's, having looked at the offer, that which has been presented by Isaiah to the people of God here. Now in verses 6 and 7 we have the command. Here's the offer. Here's what's available. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond to it? You want to continue to live in a life of dissatisfaction? A life of lack? 
worried about money every time you turn around. That's not right. That's out of order. That's not what God intends. Oh, there are times when things are lean and tight. You know, Paul experienced that. I've learned how to both suffer need and to abound. And so we, have, we go through a cycle, which is normal. But on a general flow, we should not be consumed with thoughts about our needs. All It's living in the abundance that God has provided. And if you haven't yet experienced that, you will if you're obedient. It will happen. It will happen. So the invitation is, is followed by the command here. What it's saying is this invitation requires a response. I didn't hear you will not work. That's refusal. I don't want to do that is rejection. We don't want that. It's up to us now. We've been invited to come to the waters, to drink the living water that flows from the very heart of God, to be healed. We're all in need of healing. So many ways. Relationships, attitudes, our sins that we've committed are destructive. They mar our souls, our spirits. And yet God is so gracious to heal. And he's saying again for the fourth time, come to me, come to me. God wants you. He created you. Think of that for a moment. He created you because he wanted to create you. Because he wanted to share his life with you, to be with you. I, that's really hard for us to imagine. And all this has been bought and paid for by the Lamb of God. It's just an amazing thing. So he says in the command to seek the Lord while he may be found, which means there's time sensitivity here. Don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Those of you, uh, there may be some of you here that have put it off and you really haven't really totally repented and turned to God with all your heart. They're saying, well, you know, I've got time. When I get older, I'll do it when I get older. No, you won't. Your heart will harden. Sin will deceive you. It's deceitful. It'll rip you off. We don't even know if we have tomorrow. There's Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You might be listening by way of the internet, catching this, in this, and God is speaking to you by His Spirit to, to come to Him, to seek Him. So seeking involves focus. You have to think about what you're doing. When you're looking for something, you're seeking it, right? And you, you know what it, it looks like, or you hope it looks like what you're looking for. You're going to focus. But while he may be found, focus on finding God, searching for him, seeking him. You've been brought to the valley of decision and you're going to have to make a decision. To say no and to not seek is to refuse him. And that means you'll be living a dissatisfactory life. You're not going to enjoy the abundant life. There is no way to enjoy an abundant life. You think the people that are billionaires and rich without a relationship with God are really rich? I say not. I say they are poor. The poorest pauper who loves Jesus is richer than the richest man in the world without God. It's just that simple because that is not what life is about. Life does not consist of the things that we possess. Jesus told us that. The riches of our life is in relationship with him and with others who love him. It's the way it is. It's all about relationship. So seek the Lord and then also call upon him. That would be pray. Talk to God. He hears. 
It's very simple. Jeremiah put it to the rebelling nation once again later on in Israel's history. In Jeremiah 20, the Lord says through Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that you think. Isn't that amazing? God knows your thoughts before you ever think them. It's kind of scary. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, his thoughts towards you, me, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. Those of us who strayed away thought we knew how to live life the way we went, only ended up in chains and bondage to sin. But when we turned and somehow God by the Spirit drew us to Him and we came and we began to seek Him and we called upon His name and we, with all of our hearts and He has now revealed Himself to us and we wired it. We think to ourselves, why did we wait so long? Why did we put this off, you know? Don't put it off and don't wait any longer. If you are not in a right relationship with God, please take the time to seek the Lord, to call upon Him while you still have the time, while He's near, while you have this moment, this precious moment now, respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. But it is a call, as in verse 7, to repentance. There is no salvation without faith and repentance. If there's no change in life, there is no conversion. It's just that simple. Well, I confessed Jesus and I accepted Jesus, but I still live the same old way. Then you're not saved. You're just deceived. There's got to be a change, a transformation that takes place, a yielding of your will in place of God's will. If you don't turn from the lifestyle of things that you know are contrary to the will of God, you're just living in deception. You're deceiving yourself. You have to begin to substitute your ways for His ways. Your thoughts for His thoughts. That's a converted individual. And it is His Spirit bearing witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. It is forsaking self-worship Self-gratification to seek Yahweh's ways, God's ways and thoughts. To bring honor and glory to Him rather than to self. This requirement of salvation requires repentance. A 180, a turning away from self-living to submitting to God-living and living for Him. Salvation is conditional upon repentance and faith. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I wouldn't invite people to come forward and just pray this prayer and everything will be okay. That may be the starting point, but that is all it is. There has to be a brokenness and a contrition and a willingness to change. Look what he says here. It's what the scripture says here. Let him forsake his way. What is his way? Well, according to Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. It's no longer my will, but his will be done. I bend the knee, I bow the heart to the Almighty. 
Let him forsake his way. That means to abandon the present path that you are on. You, you want to continue to live in dissatisfaction and emptiness and vanity? Well, then you just continue to do what you're doing. But if you want life in an abundant level, then abandon that present path. Surrender and seek the Lord. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. You're going to develop a new way of thinking. Return to the Lord. And again, when the Lord says, come to me, what will you find? Wrath and anger towards the broken? Not even remotely. It is mercy, hesed, loving kindness. Son, I'm so happy to forgive you. Come on home. I've been waiting for you. I've been drawing you for a long time. And I'm so glad you're here. Those are the kind of words that you'll hear. And Yahweh it says, I will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. I, I, I fit that abundantly pardon. I understand that personally. I know what it means to be forgiven. We serve a merciful, forgiving God. And what he's asking for you and for me is quite simple. It only becomes complicated when we resist. Don't resist. Don't resist what the Lord's convicting you about. Just own it, confess it, and it's gone. It's taken away through the precious blood. It's under the blood of the Lamb. Are you thirsty for God? Are you tired of the dull drums of life? Confused? Are you spiritually dehydrated? Will you be content to live in dissatisfaction? Or will you be willing to repent and turn with all your heart to seek the Lord while he may be found? Are you tired of putting your money into a bag with holes in it? Tired of working hard only to surrender your hard-earned money to the idolatry pimps of the world? Is this the way you want to live? How do you want to live? How do you want to finish your days? Come to the waters. Come to me, says the Lord. I will heal. I will restore. Come and live. There's nothing more important. Nothing more important than this. I want to take the time to pray. Maybe you're, you've repented and you know the Lord. But you're not living the abundant life. The guys will be up here. We're going to take the time to pray and give you a chance to exercise your faith. Those of you in the back, if you need prayer, you want prayer, please come here. We'll up front here and we'll pray. And guys, you know who you are. You'll pray, pray with them. And you guys can come up here now. Bill, guys. Ed, come on up here. Just be up here. And for those of you who may be listening, just get on your knees right now. Right, right, right where you are sitting. Just get down on your knees and cry out to God. Call upon His name and ask Him to forgive. And those of you who are in the kingdom, you love the Lord, but you're not walking close to Him, you're not doing uh, as you know you ought, 
this would be a time for you to come up and be prayed for. We're not playing games here. We're serious about our walk with God, especially considering the times in which we live. We need to be close to Jesus right now, closer than ever before. And I am of the opinion that no matter what's going on out there, we can still live this abundant life. God can still provide in the midst of all this. He has a way of separate, separating the wicked from the righteous when he measures out judgment. And that is what is going on right now in the world. He is judging the world. Our sins have been judged at the cross. And if we love him and serve him, as we've read in Psalm 91 this morning, he will provide, he will bless. How? Well, that's up to him. It's for his glory for his honor. So let's take this moment and we'll have a few moments here to come and respond to this and then we'll take communion together.